Welcome to Becoming Unshakable with Sarah Wolf and Patri Hunty. The purpose of this podcast is to empower you to improve your life and become your own coach. Together, we will guide you through mindset techniques and psychology tools that we have applied to change our own lives and to help others do the same. During these episodes, we'll be taking you through mindset exercises and practicalities so you can feel free to get your journal and your favorite pen and take some notes along the way. Hi everyone, welcome back to Becoming Unshakable. Welcome back to episode seven. Today we are covering that word on a lot of people's minds and that gets in the way of a lot of people's lives as well. And that is anxiety. So obviously knowing how broad this topic is, today we want to just cover some general tips that we have around anxiety. Obviously myself and Patrick are both coaches. It is something that we will come up with, you know, against a lot in sessions as well as previously. I think we pretty much can say we both have gone through our fair share of insecurity slash anxiety as well. So this is going to be both of our takes on it and hopefully leaving with you, leaving you with some steps that you can implement to, I suppose, approach it, not get rid of it, which is going to be a big point of mine as we go on, because resistance is what causes the stress, but how we can dance with it, how we can embrace it and how we can work with it instead of against it, okay, is the main message here. And I have seen a lot of my clients' lives change with very simple perspective shifts on it, as well as obviously some practicalities, journal prompts, et cetera, therapies that I will also go through. So I suppose the first question is, Patrick, what is your take on this word? It's Again, it's such a broad word. I mean, talk to me about your experience slash your clients. Talk to me a little bit about it. Yeah, of course. So the first thing that I would say about anxiety is that I know for a fact that it's very difficult to live a happy life if you're constantly in a fear or panic state. And I think it's something that's been talked about a lot. Anxiety has been thrown around quite a lot. It's been very much out there, whether it's in schools, universities, all of that. There's a lot of places that have been really open to listening what it actually means, what it actually feels like to experience anxiety. And it can really, I feel like it can really take over to how you perceive things and it can make you feel like there's a constant fog in your mind. That's the way I would see anxiety. Like it's a, it's a body response to something that's, that you're not experiencing and you're not perceiving very well. And it's almost like an, it causes an inability to think straight. That's the way I would see it, to make decisions, be able to be present when you're connecting with other people. Because what it does, I would see it as basically just bringing you up to being constantly in your mind or blocking it, like blocking the way that you're thinking and things like that. So it's a really odd one to describe. The feeling is is very difficult to describe. And I know that a lot of people experience it because they describe exactly how I've felt when I was struggling with extreme anxiety. And another thing then that we can get to is, is that a lot of people have gotten used to, and I used to do it like really all the time, would be saying, I'm a really anxious person. And I think we can just really get to it later on where we can really start to detach from from what we're experiencing, basically, not identifying with it. So those are my two main points, is that it's quite hard to 
describe it in detail what anxiety actually is what it's like to have that experience but in my experience I experienced it quite a lot like I'm not gonna lie from being in school then going into college then afterwards in school it was it was quite potent and I thought I was completely alone with it to be honest like I would experience it a lot from what was going on at home and things like that and then things in school just made it worse and then getting into bulimia and things like that just made it 100 times worse so I think what happens is that we are unable to be in our bodies and allow the emotions to come through as well as we actually have a lot of information coming in whether it's from the phone whether it's in school whether you know back in the day we had a lot of information coming in and we didn't know what to do with it and we're not actually taught to deal with emotions to manage them what do I do when I feel so much strong frustration what do I do when I feel this and that and then it turns into this big ball of it's like the way I see it is like lines going all over the place that's how I would see anxiety if I was to to see it it would be just scraggly lines everywhere like curly and messy and feeling really really foggy in your mind so that I think that's the main thing is that we're not actually taught to manage our emotions and then when we're not even taught how to breathe properly then that's that's when we're experiencing those difficult feelings and that really wind up to that feeling of anxiety but yeah it's, it was a strange one I didn't know how to manage it at all I didn't know what it was I, I knew that my mom was a really nervous person um, my father was a depressive person so I was really confused about how I should be feeling or what it would be no what would be normal to feel and yeah, it's it. there's a lot of pressure when you're, you know, going through your teenage years. And if you don't know how to handle that pressure, it can definitely build up to to that, which we call an experience of anxiety. So, yeah, my advice would be to basically definitely bring it up with someone. It's the first thing. It's like, I'm not sure what I'm feeling. My body's not responding well to things. I'm getting a bit panicky. And that's the first thing that I would say, because when I was experiencing those things, I thought there was something wrong with me. So that's that was my experience. Like, OK, I'm experiencing this panic. There's something wrong with me. No one else feels this way because everyone else hides it really well. And it's like, hello, it turns out a lot of people actually experience that. So, yeah, that was my experience with it. I won't go into too much detail because I know I, I spoke about it quite a bit in the interview. So what was your experience with it, Sarah? So, yes, that, that's very interesting. The fact that you say, first of all, that you felt so isolated because it, it is very isolating. And here's where I'm going to go into it. This word anxiety as well. You know, I mean, what even is it? And my friend Nadia, and I love, you know, she's also a coach and she always says, you know, it doesn't exist. <laughs> and like she has this like, what is it like? And I suppose for me, I'll go into my experience in a minute, but just have to get this point across that the word anxiety is the biggest challenge. It's it, words are super powerful. You know, I'm a big believer in Tony Robbins. I'm a big believer in the power that words have. So it's not like you're walking around saying I'm an anxious person, but you're you're saying, you know, I've always been an anxious person. You're not saying it to everyone else, but if you work, sit down with a coach or someone who listened to the experience, you'll say I'm anxious, you know? So internally that label is what is causing you the friction, first of all, because the label actually isolates you from the pack, right? Because if you're to say I'm anxious straight away, it's like, 
having leprosy. You know what I mean? That's the metaphor for it. You think it's just me. I'm weird. I'm over here. You know what I mean? They can see it in me. I'm paranoid now. I'm adding legs to it now. You know what I mean? Whereas if you, this simple switch is absolutely mind blowing. Change the word to excitement. I know I say this all the time. Anyone that follows me will have heard me say it a million times. This is the same bodily sensation as excitement, which is so fascinating because it's the, how you think of yourself, right? Is kind of what you get back in reality. I'm very strong on that. So of course, if you're going to think those things we talked about, paranoia, weird, strange, nervous, not that people are going to think that of you as such, because you're always going to be your own worst critic, but that's the energy you're kind of put it out, putting out. So you're going to come across as a little bit nervous. You know what I mean? And that's not to scare you, but a really good switch is, you know, is to literally say to yourself out loud, what am I getting so excited about when it's happening? That's the first switch. So remove this word anxiety doesn't exist, doesn't need to exist, right? Doesn't have to exist anymore. Now I'm excited all the time. That will actually give you a laugh. It will give you such a laugh when you actually feel it and when you say it. Then just on that note, be very kind to that feeling. So this is the biggest, this is 100% the biggest challenge as well. I see it all the time with clients in the client inquiry form. I just want to get rid of my anxiety. Imagine if you had a partner and you kept saying, I just want to get rid of him. Like, how would that partner treat you back? And it's the same as everything. Anything you show love to will show you love back, right? And I suppose the point I'm getting at here is we don't want to hate it. We want to actually respect it. We want to see it for what it is. It's trying to keep us safe. We want to actually see if we can find some positives about this feeling. I had so many client sessions with one particular client recently on this, and she's got really now debilitating anxiety. And the biggest thing for her was this feeling of, I just need to get rid of it, Sarah. I've been to hypnotherapy. I've been to therapist. Can you help me get rid of it? And I'm like, my love, that is your biggest challenge. But obviously you don't realize it. And of course I'm resonating with you so much right now. But this is where we need to, I always say, what do I always say, Patrick? Invite it in and make a tea. Ask it what kind of tea it wants, (laughs) right? So the feeling, when you get the feeling, sit with it, invite it in, ask it. Okay, it's you again. Thanks for stopping by. I'm actually okay here, you know. Everything is fine. I know this is so much easier said than done, but I promise you that shift from aversion to befriending it is absolutely massive. Okay. So see it as something that is keeping you safe. Find the positives in it. And then when it comes along, okay, really good podcast to listen to on this, by the way, is the chimp paradox. Chimp is the monkey brain, the reactive brain, the anxious brain. And he talks about how he talks to his chimp and he's like, okay, now man, give it a rest. Right. And what that does is it just, it kind of, it takes the power away from it. You're not distracting yourself through it. You're not going to events feeling totally debilitated by it because you're reasoning with it. You're asking it what it wants. You might do a little bit of journaling around it. Now, this is very much before an event. So if you're very socially anxious, for example, another thing I would really look into is EFT tapping. I mean, I'm just a big, big believer in this. It's a therapy that I would also do with my clients. But if you even look up some YouTube videos, you'll get the basics of it. And if you do some research of your own research on it, it's absolutely incredible for regulating the nervous system, for, I suppose, disassociating that part of the brain that's very attached to the emotion by tapping on it over and over again, moving the energy in the body while also saying out loud, how you're feeling, focusing on the internal stress, focusing on the words that are coming up in your mind when you think of why you're anxious. Um, It's absolutely phenomenal. So I really do recommend looking into EFT tapping. It can be done in a couple of minutes. It can literally free you from this debilitating stress in moments. And you know that, Patrick, don't you? Like you're a big advocate of it as well. Absolutely. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it's powerful. And I suppose the last, just the last point on that is don't forget to, if you're doing a small little meditation in the morning, is to visualize how you want your day to go. So I see the confidence visualizations as a big part of removing or working with anxiety as well. What you're doing is you're mentally priming your brain for performance. So whatever you're nervous about, I want you to just spend five minutes visualizing how yourself walking into the event, speaking to people, head up high, you know, arms out in front of you, shoulders back and visualize yourself how you want to communicate with those around you, how you'd like to come across the sounds you want to hear when you're speaking. Okay. So just EFT tapping and confidence visualizations, they actually work beautifully together because you're downregulating the nervous system. And then you're also imagining and visualizing how you want your day to go, how you want the experience to go, etc. So I just wanted to get those points across first. And just quickly, if it happens in the moment, which I get asked about all the time, Sarah, I know how to do the stuff beforehand. How about when it, you know, when it happens in the moment, you have to just return to your breath. Because in the moment, that's all you have. And the breath is just so phenomenal when you get into the likes of breath work or when you get into the likes of diaphragm breathing and slowing down, as Patry was saying earlier, stepping out of the noise. I tell my clients to mentally step out of your body for like two seconds and just focus on that, those deep breaths, just to get yourself back to kind of controlled thinking. If you need to leave the situation, go and do a small little bit of EFT, you know, do a small little bit of breathing. And after the event, just come away and journal on it okay and really in your journal say okay what was I feeling ask it questions break its power you know what was I feeling how did I handle it if this comes up again how do I want to handle it and by doing all these things collectively what we're speaking about really you know you're working with it instead of against it and I think that's definitely where the power lies is working with it and loving it accepting it knowing that we're not here to change our personalities we cannot unfortunately just wake up one day and feel incredible. It is a process, but there's ways to manage it. And I think acceptance in itself is absolutely massive. You know, getting back to your previous question, my experience was very much the lack of self-confidence, the paranoia and the wondering what people were thinking of me. You know, that was a big one for me when I went through a little bit of trauma back in the day. And that, you know, I'm not saying I'm completely clear of that. I don't think anybody in the, on this earth is essentially, definitely it's a lot less But yeah, I think learning definitely EFT tapping freed me of so much emotion that was locked up um, that was causing the stress and anxiety as well. So that was that's definitely a big tip of mine. Yeah. Have you any other techniques and tips for us, Patry? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So firstly, before I forget, I actually love the fact that you mentioned invited in, invited in. And basically, this is about telling it you're safe, because what happens is I did a lot of work around parts therapy, and that would basically be around parts of us as children when we were little. um, A lot of parts of us actually went into exile, and that's why they call it exiles in therapy. And what happens is that a lot of parts of you, when they experience a certain trauma, they actually were exiles because they left, they ran away, they absolutely did not want to be there. They saw the trauma, they experienced it, and so they ran away. And what happens is that there are parts of you that will react a certain way to certain situations, events, people, even if it has nothing to do with the traumatic event, it's a simple trauma response and it tries to keep you safe. And that is why I believe anyway, that 
parts of me were just getting so panicked. They were getting so scared every time I was doing something or even if I was just in a normal situation in school or at home or in college. Um, it really was just debilitating. Like it was like you cannot even breathe that type of way because your system is not in a regulated state. It's not calm and it hasn't gotten used to it. And certain parts of you literally exiled your body. They exiled your mind because they were too afraid to stay. And so that's why when we do the healing work, when we do the inner work, whether it's in a coaching container, whether it's with a therapist, that's when you're literally bringing every single part of you back so that you can feel whole and complete. Does that mean we're ever going to be fully healed, that we're ever going to be fully fixed, as we call it? There's no such a thing. It just simply means that you do everything that you can, the best that you can with the resources that you have. And it's our job to actually take this on to take this on board. And that's when we talk, you know, when Sarah and I talk about these things with these resources and help clients with anxiety, it's not that we're completely fixed and perfect. It's that we have worked through it. And so when it comes up, if it comes up, say if we're going through a really stressful time, through a really difficult time, whether it's at work, um, whether it's with business, whether it's with family, a relationship, then we have the skills. And it doesn't mean that it's not crap in the meantime, it's that we actually have the toolbox there and we can go and grab the tools for it. So that means we have a very good toolbox for, say, for example, mindfulness, being present. So really breathing, breathwork and meditation. I mean, starting your day with breathwork, like really focusing on how you are functioning in your body. That's very important. I'm talking about soothing practices like self hugs, butterfly hugs, all of those things that I can talk about as well, which is really cute as well. Uh, reducing caffeine and eating regular meals, like normal things. Like if you need help with that type of stuff, speak with a dietitian, getting enough sleep. Like this is why we spoke about the foundation, the, the four fundamentals as Sarah calls it, because if you are going around without sleep, if you're going around without food, if you're going around with over basically over training and all of these things and we don't have experience in saying okay you have to train this way no we we're not going to tell you that but I know in my experience that I was literally just say for example in the midst of my eating disorder well I was simply exercising all the time having a load of caffeine not eating enough and not probably dehydrated as well on top of it in case I was bloated (laughs) so what do you think is going to do for my, you know, for those experiences of anxiety, it's just going to be like, oh, anxiety, 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 you know, I know that you say the word doesn't exist, but it's that type of emotion, that feeling, the feelings that come that are not going to serve you in any way. And I think the biggest thing about our life is that, well, we only have a certain amount of time in this lifetime. So why would we want to spend it in an unhealthy manner, in an unhealthy state where we do not feel good or safe or regulated calm and I think if you follow me you will notice that I don't speak about chasing happiness I speak about creating inner peace within because for example myself I spent so much of my life in fight or flight mode or in escape mode in exile mode because my trauma was still in my body in my mind and soul I guess and it's just not it's not a way to live I think we all need these tools to actually be able to manage ourselves and to be able to take a deep breath and say I've had enough of this I've had enough of this being in a stress mode and I want to let go and I want to feel relaxed in my body I want to feel like 
life gets to be ease and fun and yeah of course we can all have our goals and life can be stressful but at least we can be in our best state to face those struggles like if a volcano were up to right now I know we don't live in a volcano area if a tsunami came over if a hurricane came over we need to be prepared to to deal with challenges we need to be prepared for a stressful day with work we need to be prepared for our website to not work or our phone to completely fall apart or get lost when we're traveling we must be prepared we cannot hide all the time and say well I'm just really anxious we need to have that toolbox so I'm going to go through a few tools but I think Sarah will have a lot to say about these and I'm going to start with well we talked about morning routine so how are you actually starting your day because there's a big difference between you rushing around and panicking and grabbing this coffee instead of your breakfast and not even having water and everything is chaos and just scrolling on your phone and checking emails, things like that. Everything is just chaos. It's chaos. It's hectic. So if you do not have some form of routine in place, and especially in the morning, because say in the morning when we wake up, if we start our day in a certain way and we spoke about it and we'll always speak about it, there is a likelihood that that will actually stick with you for the rest of your day. So how are you willing to prioritize yourself in the morning when you wake up so that even if you have a baby, even if there's stress around you, you actually give yourself the time of day to prioritize yourself, to prioritize your well-being, to make sure that you're breathing properly. And so you can set yourself up to breathe first so that you can show up in a calm manner so that you feel good within, like your shoulders are relaxed, you're breathing all right, you set yourself some nice music. Now we're talking like this is a different story. Do you know what I mean? You're ready. You do, you're you not overly caffeinated. You're absolutely set. So it'll take a few days for you to notice a difference when you try certain things that I'm going to talk about, but it is life changing. And when you do make the decision that I'm not going to be a stress ball anymore. I'm not going to feel like crap anymore. That's a decision that you will bring forth with you. So the first one I'm going to talk about is mindfulness and being present. And now this seems very cliche, but literally being mindful is literally just being here now. Being mindful of where you are, what's around you, what's going on, what is happening, as opposed to I'm in my head and I'm thinking of what I'm doing tomorrow, next week, next month, and next year, all at the same time. There needs to be some sort of balance of you being here and grounded and now, and so that you can also enjoy life as it goes on and you're not in the next step all the time. So that's um, important to just be able to feel calm and seeing things like what do you see, what do you hear, what do you feel, what do you smell, all of those really normal things that we can bring forth to our day to day and see if it's like, OK, I have a lot of calls today. What can you do in between those calls so that you can set yourself up and you're not sort of in a constant go mode? Like, where is your break? Where is a Where are you stopping? Say, if you do drink coffee, where are you stopping and having that mindful coffee where you just sit by yourself and just don't go on your phone, but simply sit and be with yourself and breathe? Where is that sort of romanticizing your life? So you need that in there. And everything that you can use to bring yourself to being here, being being here and being right now. 
So for example, this is a, a drastic one because it's for PTSD. But when I experienced PTSD triggers, which I had a while where it was really bad or really, really heavy feelings of anxiety and couldn't bring myself back to senses, even with all of the toolbox that I have, because it was like, you know, with the kind of re-trauma type of moment, I would actually lightly pinch my hand to remind myself I'm here and that I'm safe. I'm here right now. And that nothing else, whatever my mind is trying to bring up right now, it's not real. It's just your mind bringing up your worries and concerns. So that even lightly pinched, like something like tapping your arm and obviously EFT tapping, as Sarah mentioned, that's something that I have used a lot, even for body image. I would definitely recommend that. And number two would be breath work and meditation. So Sarah, what do you think about breath work and meditation for anxiety? So again, just going back to what you said about the morning routine, it is super important because the research does show and like, you know, you're 80, 90 percent, you know, it's as high as that um, more likely to actually your day is more likely to go in that zone, how you start your morning. So like it does, there's so much research on the stress that jumping on your phone first thing causes. And I do, I'm very adamant on that, Patrick, as you know, not to be going on your phone first thing. It's a huge one. So breath work for me, it could be a very, very simple practice. I mean, using the breath in itself is absolutely life-changing when you rely on your breath in situations and say to yourself, you know, whatever happens here, I'll cope. That's a huge one. You know, the ABC method, the blind boy podcast, stunning. Whatever happens here, I'm going to cope. Breath work. I do it every single day. If I don't do it first thing in the morning, if I do a different meditation, say I will bring it into my day at night, I might only spend two or three minutes on it, but it is absolutely just amazing. And again, it's brilliant for in the moment of anxiety to use the breath and just to remember to, it's there to save you. Like it it sounds very cliche, but it is there to save you. A nice calming meditation in the morning is fabulous for starting your day ahead. It's very difficult for my clients to incorporate the meditation ritual. It's the hardest one. I totally get it. But that's why, you know, try the breath work if meditation doesn't suit you, because with breath work, it's almost like you've something to focus on, which I find starting off is quite a nice way to look at it, isn't it? Because I don't know about you. Do you find your clients struggle a lot with the meditation habit? Like it's a big one. I don't know why. It's just a big one. I think at the start, especially there is a struggle to get into the habit. And certainly at the start, I wasn't a pro at it. Like I would be like thinking about other things and be like, I could be doing this, this and that. So it's really kind of, it's a challenge to start. But I do find that a lot of people have fallen in love with it. So Yeah, I think it's about really getting used to it. And if you don't, I know coaches that don't meditate, in fact, and even if they do the breath work and do the breathing, they actually do a walking meditation. They simply go, yeah, and they listen to a podcast if they go into the woods or whatever to go for a walk. So that Mm -hmm. could be your meditation as long as that's your calm space. You know, if you really, really find it really challenging, I know that people would find meditation as in walking their dog. The only thing is for me, meditation has changed my life entirely because I do my visualizations yeah. in them because I do my mm-hmm. magic in them. And that's, I cannot it's, replace that. <laughs> it's basically stillness. It's your little bit of stillness from such a crazy world. And within that stillness, you also get so many beautiful downloads. Just something quickly I want to touch on while we're speaking about anxiety. I feel like, you know, with a lot of my clients, a lot of it comes from other people or maybe relationships okay it's very topical and I'm just a big believer in you know what now we're living in a world where you just don't have time for any of it right so if your gut 
is screaming at you about a relationship, making you anxious, you know, devaluing you, making you feel paranoid, making you feel, oh, I'm not being myself here. Just run get out of it. Friendship, romantic, whatever it is. Like life is too short. And I think people have the ability to completely destroy you until you get out of that situation. I always say to my clients, do we have any thorns to pick out? You know, before we move on here, do we have any thorns to pick out? Because people are like, "Mm, no. And then they might kind of get into this relationship that makes them feel crap, basically. So that's a big one. So just watch how you are. Like you should be totally yourself around your friends. And if you're not, then you need to maybe consider your friendship group. Have you any thoughts on that? Sorry, we're kind of gone. Yeah, one thousand, one thousand, yeah, percent, one thousand. And I mean to say, yeah, because basically, I'm a strong believer on people's energy sort of affecting you, you know, and it will happen, especially if you live with them. But even if you hang out with them once a week, I mean, who are you hanging out with? Is this anxiety-inducing? Because if it is. I think it's about getting that time for yourself. And even if you're not meditating, asking yourself the question, what do I, again, like, what do I no longer resonate with? What is making me feel good and what is not? Because if somebody is making you feel self-conscious, unpleasant, maybe a little bit of jealousy here and there, things like that, it's, it's really unnecessary. And I won't even get into the fact that, you know, if your partner is saying anything about your body, mm, anxiety, complete and utter destruction. So I think it goes without saying that just be quite cautious and not in a in a really scary way. It's just be be conscious of who you're hanging out with and what they're making you feel. I think it's really good to say, okay, well, this person, we talked about this, but how are you leaving that conversation? In what state? Like, are you feeling better? Are you feeling the same? Or are you feeling like crap? Because that's a good question to ask. And even with relationships, you know what it is? It's that you'll be experiencing anxiety and you won't understand why until it has it's it's a bit too late and it's they've really gotten into into destroying you a bit. So I would say just get used to being with yourself and asking yourself the right questions. Is there somebody in my life that could be making this worse? Is there somebody in my life that's making my life unpleasant? Because I didn't ask myself those right questions and I ended up being there for way too long. So I would say, get used to asking yourself, what's happening here? Is this me? Or is there somebody's energy completely taking over here and affecting me in such a way? Absolutely. And I think the big thing there is just detach from everyone. I say it to all my clients, detach from everyone. Whoever is meant to be in your life will be there. As in detach in a sense of don't take things personal. Make your own mind up about who you want to be around. Okay. Even if that means being by yourself for a little while until you figure that out, you know, don't just don't be in an energy space that is like subconsciously dragging you down. Like emotional abuse doesn't just happen in romantic relationships. It also happens in friendships. So you know what I mean? So just be very, very careful of what you're letting into that space, especially if you are a nervous person in general. I want to touch on alcohol as well, because this kind of links in with client experiences I've had, actually. And I would say if you're a very, very, very anxious person, just limit your use. You don't have to give it up altogether. Take control over it because if it's taking control over you, then that's an absolute downward spiral when you're already not feeling so hot. You know, it's just not a good uh, what's the word? Mix, <laughs> basically. Yeah, that's a huge one. I'm just thinking of client sessions that have come up for me and things that we've done, like things we've removed, things we've walked away from. And I think alcohol is such a strong one to get control over if you're anxious. If you're, and I hate this word, 
if you're excited, if you're excited all the time, don't drink, <laughs> basically. Don't drink yeah. as much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I think anxiety, it's such a broad topic. I mean, what we're doing here is literally scratching the surfaces of, you know, surface of so many ways of looking at it, so many different, but I, I definitely think we've spoken a lot about what's helped us through it. And I don't think it needs to be something that's very complex in your mind. You know, a lot of my clients, again, they say, you know, I know I have a lot of work to do, but I'm like, but do you? If you just walked away from that relationship, if you just reframe that, if you just, you know what I mean? And simple practices compounded over time make a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. And aside from alcohol, which I actually used to consume a lot, a lot. And for, you know, my own reasons, I was trying to cope with things in a really yeah. unhealthy manner, of course. And yeah, aside from that, aside from changing that in my life has been basically cutting a bit of caffeine, if I'm honest. I used yeah. to drink about four cups a day. Yeah, I used wow. to drink four cups a day. And I thought that was grand, but I suppose, I don't know. I don't think I knew what was grand for me. I wasn't really in touch with my body at all. I didn't ask myself whether it felt good or not. Now I very much, and I know that I'm sensitive to caffeine and some people are. And especially if you're, you know, you experience adrenaline and you feel like you're going quite fast if you do drink caffeine. It might just make matters worse. So just watching the things that you think work well with you, basically, and noticing the things that do not feel good. And that's basically yeah. it. Aside from really working on getting good, good amount of sleep every night. And if I don't sleep well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And of course, eating regular meals. If I go too long without eating, I just get all over the place, things like that. But we're not really expecting you know, experienced enough to talk about nutrition here. Um, but yeah, another thing that I would say is important is how you set your environment. And we did talk about, you know, your relationships and things like that. But when we spoke about decluttering, it might also help here to, to notice what your space looks like. Because say if there's a lot of things around you and you feel like you feel almost uncomfortable with the mess around you, whether it's in your room or in your workspace or at your home, it might actually help you to feel a little bit more relaxed and more clear minded yeah. if you're in a decluttered space. Yeah, definitely. I love that. It's so true. Your What is it? Your outer reality creates your inner clarity. Something like that. Yeah. But we always in the client sessions I would have, we always start with a, with a declutter. It's huge. It's a huge way of stepping into a newer version, right? So think about it. If I want to be more calm, what reflects that in my outer world? So I love that. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no problem at all. Amazing. And, um, just, yeah, that's basically it. Like reducing clutter in, in your room or home, set, like set a calm kind of space as well for yourself if you need, because then you have your own little Zen space as well. So like I know where I'm going to meditate every morning or every evening. And that's that's my space. I might have a, a candle or two or whatever and set my the music that sets the tone and that kind of anchors you to and makes it easier. It's like a nice practice for yourself. You buy yeah. yourself the little things that you need and it makes it so much easier and a lot nicer. It's a nice experience for you to go into. It's easier to build a habit that's good for you if if you make it nice for yourself, basically, yeah. I love that. Yeah. There's so much, it is a journey. And I suppose the first, the first part is accepting it, working with it, thinking, and just again, taking radical responsibility for your direction. And unfortunately, nobody else can do it but you. <laughs> so I think it comes down to, I can do this. 
can absolutely work with this. Let's see what we need to remove. Let's see what we need to, what we no longer resonate with our favorite journal prompt. Let's see what we're going to do going forward. And let's just try some things here. So thank you so much for sharing everything, Patri. And I hope you, you guys at home got so much from this. It's one of my favorite topics to speak about because, you know, there is so much support out there for it. And it's like you said, it's not, you know, even though we say, okay, we don't like the word anxiety. However, it is still a feeling. It's horrendous for some people. And I really, really feel sorry for a lot of people who are still living in that state of fight or flight. I remember it so well. And it's just horrendous. And we're hope we're here sending you all the love, hoping that you guys are able to come out of the fog and into the best self-fresh Thank you guys for listening and see you in the next one. Bye guys. Bye.